The Orioles picked up a huge win on Sunday to avoid what would have been their first sweep of the season. However, that wasn't the biggest story of these last three days, as Grayson Rodriguez, after another tough start, was sent back down to AAA. We'll talk about why the O's did it, what's next for Rodriguez, and what happened this weekend for the O's. Coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, May 29th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to take a look at the weekend that was for the Orioles. Recapping a series in which the Orioles were beaten two out of three at home by the Texas Rangers. I'll start first with the big news of the weekend. Grayson Rodriguez getting pummeled again on Friday and getting sent down to the minor leagues. We'll talk about why that decision was made. Then we'll get into the one win of the weekend, get you the five things you need to know from Sunday's victory over Texas. And finally, take a look at Austin Hayes, who had a huge weekend and is now hitting 322 for the Orioles, getting moved up in the batting order. Can Austin Hayes continue to do this? We'll chat about all that coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So the Orioles dropped two out of three this weekend against the Texas Rangers as Texas comes in and, well, just dominates on Friday night, beating the Orioles 12-2 in that game. Then on Saturday, a little bit of a closer affair, but the O's just couldn't get the bats going. Texas wins at 5-3 on Saturday. O's were in danger of being swept the first time this season. However, they pulled it together, got a great pitching performance from Kyle Bradish, and won it 3-2 on Sunday to salvage the final game of the series. It was the first time this season that the Orioles in a series had lost the first two and were on the brink of being swept, but they do come up with that third and final game in the Sunday win, and they jump back over top the Rangers and remain with the second-best record in baseball. Orioles now 34-19 and on the year. They did drop a game to the Rays, who took two out of three in a wild series with the Dodgers this weekend, so now four games back of Tampa for second place in the East. The Rays are just a wagon at this point, but we're going to get to the win in just a second because I want to get to the positive things here on this episode, right? The Orioles did finish the weekend with a win, and I know a lot of fans feel like this. It's always nice. Hey, if you're going to drop two out of three in a weekend series, always win the Sunday game because you end the weekend, you got like maybe a longer layoff until the Monday game. Not necessarily this time because it's a day game today for Memorial Day, but generally you want to get that Sunday win so you at least have the good feelings coming out of the series. Obviously, the worst thing to do is win that first one and uh, lose the next two. That has you feeling not so great, but uh, nice little way to finish the series for the Orioles. So we'll get to that, but we got to start with the biggest news of the weekend. Obviously, it is Grayson Rodriguez, who was hit around very hard once again on Friday night. I was in the ballpark. Orioles were there debuting their City Connect uniforms 
also wore them on Saturday and are now 0 for 2 in the City Connects. But, you know, the Orioles, I don't know. The Grayson Rodriguez situation is tough. I, I got my City Connect hat on Friday. That was about the only good thing that happened at the ballpark on Friday. I just, I don't know. So here's what they did. Saturday morning, after another bad Grayson Rodriguez start, they sent him down to AAA and recalled Keegan Aiken to help out the bullpen. Now, some may have argued that, hey, his start was just so short that the O's, you know, the bullpen's been so overworked. You know, they, they had five more consecutive games. They just needed another reliever in there. And I get that. But shout out to Austin Voth. I mean, Grayson Rodriguez went three and a third innings. He allowed eight earned runs, nine runs total on six hits, struck out six, walked three, allowed three homers, threw 83 pitches, and did only allow six hard hit balls, so not an incredible number, but it bumped his ERA up to 7.35 on the year. Now, Austin Voth did a great job of saving the bullpen. He went three and two-thirds in relief, allowing just one run. Then they threw CNL Perez for a scoreless inning, and then Ryan McKenna, which was Kind of fun to see, even though he gave up two runs, did throw the top of the ninth inning as well. So they generally saved the bullpen, even though Grayson only got 10 outs. So I do think it was more of total performance-based and not just, hey, it's another short start, we need a reliever, and he has options. Because as we know, it's been bad in May for Grayson Rodriguez. The reason his ERA is up at 7.35 is he's had 10 total starts in the big league so far. I'd say he's had six pretty solid to good ones, four bad ones. Of the four bad ones, three of them have been pretty terrible, and all three of those have been in May. So in his five starts in May, here's what it looks like for Grayson Rodriguez. Starts off May, which is a disaster in Kansas City. Three and two-thirds, six earned runs. Then he bounces back against the Rays, one of the best offenses in baseball. Five and two-thirds, two innings, really good start there. Then he faces the Angels, just gets bludgeoned again by Shohei Otani and the Angels. Three and a third, eight earned runs. Then he bounces back against a really good Toronto lineup last weekend. Five innings, two runs against the Blue Jays. And then he's bludgeoned by the number one offense in baseball, the Texas Rangers. Three and a third, eight earned runs on Friday night. That is not a good stretch in the month of May, obviously, for Grayson Rodriguez. And you can't deny that he hasn't been very good. I mean, I still am on the opinion that I would have rather them kept him in the big leagues. But... You can't argue the fact that he has an 11.14 ERA and a 2.10 whip in his five May starts. He's given up 26 earned runs on 34 hits in 21 innings. That is not sustainable. He has allowed 11 home runs in the month of May. That is not good at all. And Friday, I had a front row seat for what was going on in the ballpark Friday. It was not pretty. Now, we still know the stuff is there, right? He's still, of his 10 outs, he got six strikeouts. The stuff is still there. He still gets swings and misses when he goes out there. He's still a strikeout pitcher. He's still the Orioles' best whiff starter, or at least he was while he was still in the rotation. I mean, he still did get 13 whiffs on 35 swings. That's a pretty good number, especially for a game where you give up eight earned runs. And he wasn't helped out by his defense in this game. And really the biggest moment in this game came in the fourth inning. You know, Grayson had a good first inning, couple of strikeouts. Then he gets to two and two, two outs on Leota Tavares. Not one of the stronger hitters in the Texas order, but he just hangs a 2-2 changeup, gives up a two-run homer. He was almost out of that inning, but he settles back in. Nice, quick third inning. Comes out there in the fourth, strikes out Adolis Garcia on a wicked changeup to start the inning. You're like, all right, he's back. Then he gives up the double, which turned into a triple. 
And then you have an RBI single and then a two-run homer. And on three pitches, it goes from two to one to five to one. So now you're like, all right, this is getting out of hand. But you can't get anybody up in the bullpen because it's been three pitches. And you're not having someone warming to start a two-to-one inning in the fourth. That's just not happening. So the O's literally just couldn't go to the pen. And Rodriguez was just pouring fastballs down the middle. And now, again, he should have been out of the inning at five to one with runners on first and second and one out. He gets Marcus Semien to hit a ground ball right at Jorge Mateo was a tailor-made easy double play for one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. Not only does he not turn the double play, he boots it. They don't get any outs. They load the bases and on the very next pitch, Corey Seager grand slam just puts the game out of reach and you can't assume a double play. So unfortunately only one of the runs instead of four ended up being unearned for Grayson Rodriguez but it was tough, but he obviously didn't help himself out. And the big problem for Grayson, and I tweeted this out from Locked On Orioles when I was at the game on Friday night. It's just, it's not just the off-speed command. Like, we know the issue right now is the command of the off-speeds. Like, the fastball, it's been a little erratic, but generally he's been good. Velocity's been up. He was hitting 99 multiple times on Friday. He's been able to go to the cutter for his strike pitch. Like, that cutter is always in the strike zone. But it's changeup, slider, curveball. Changeup's been the best of the three this year, command-wise. But he's really fighting the command on the breaking balls especially, and the changeup as well. We know that's the issue. But I think the issue for Rodriguez is almost past that. Like, yes, the command of the off-speeds right now are certainly not where you want them to be. But I take it a step further, and this is what I said on Friday night. He is almost too afraid to throw an off-speed pitch because he's fighting the command. You know, he's in and out with being able to locate those pitches. He's scared to throw them. You'll watch him, you know, he'll throw a slider. It'll miss well down and away. And he'll just say, well, got to go back to my fastball or cutter because that's the only pitches I can throw for a strike. And while that's somewhat true right now, he still has thrown good changeups and he has thrown some good sliders. And the curveball's been in the zone before for him. He's got to be able to trust those pitches a little bit more. And quite frankly, he does. it's not that he has lost trust of them somewhat. He doesn't trust the changeup slider or curveball at all right now. And that is the issue. That is why you see, you know, Josh Smith, first pitch, RBI single. Very next pitch, Robbie Grossman, two-run homer. First pitch, Semyon grounds into what should have been a double play. Very next pitch, Seager, sitting fastball. Boom, grand slam, puts the game away in the fourth inning. Because although his fastball is 98 to 99, and it's got good spin rate, and it rises on you a bit, major league hitters can still hit that pitch. And if you can just sit on a four-seam fastball, it doesn't matter how hard you throw. Good major league hitters, especially Texas, the number one run-scoring offense in all of baseball this year, they're going to sit on that, and it's going to be easy for them. He has to be able to trust those off-speeds even when he's not dropping them in for strikes. That's okay. But in this start, he threw 83 pitches, 49 four-seamers, 15 cutters. You combine that right there, that's 77% of his pitches was a fastball, either four-seamer or cutter. That's not going to cut it. You're not fooling anyone. And I understand, you know, he's throwing 12 changeups, five sliders, and two curveballs. He combined for two called strikes in those 19 off-speeds that he threw, and both were on the changeup. So he's not exactly in the strike zone very, very much with those pitches. I get it. But you still have to throw them. You get four balls to work with. Even if you're fighting that hard, you still have to throw them enough to keep guys guessing and to keep them off balance. And that is not what he's doing. Now, in the minor leagues, 
you can get away with throwing 80% four-seamer and cutter because that four-seamer is so elite and he throws it so hard, he can just mix locations and blow it by guys. You can't do that in the major leagues. And he's learning that, but he's not taking that next step with, okay, I've learned that and I don't have the best command of my off speeds, but I still need to trust them enough to throw them to keep them off balance. I didn't think the changeup was bad. Yeah, he hung the one to Tavares on the home run, but he also threw a couple of really good ones, threw that great one to Garcia, threw a great run in the first inning to get a strikeout. That's a pitch that he can throw, I think, still, and he's even getting away from that, and that has always been his best off-speed pitch. So right now, while I still think they should have either let him figure it out, maybe push his next start bat a couple of days, maybe skip a start, potentially have a, a side bullpen where you give him a couple of days off and he just focuses on the off-speed pitches. You really dive in on trusting the off-speeds and he throws you know, a, a couple of outings where he can really just focus there. I do get why they did it. Again, I don't agree with it necessarily and it, it's disappointing. I mean, it sucks that the O's number one pitching prospect and the former number one pitching prospect in baseball and I know the whole situation at the beginning of the season was weird for him as well. But it sucks. It's it's not good. And I think he'll be back soon. Now, he does have to go down for at least 15 days per the new rules in the CBA. Has to be at least 15 days down unless there's an injury. He can replace a player who goes on the injured list. But you're even kind of at the next question where what do they do now? Because it's not like it's been all bad for Grayson Rodriguez, right? I mean, before these five starts in May, his last two starts in April, back-to-back -back five scoreless inning outings against the Tigers. Like, he had some good starts. The Major League debut against this same Texas Rangers team back in April was five innings, two runs, and he had five strikeouts and one walk. I'll take that every time from a rookie pitcher who right now is kind of settling in as your number five guy. That's, that's great to get from that guy. But he just, he's lost something else. And, and the Orioles were worried he was tipping pitches. They kind of messed with his set position a little bit. He seemed to be leaking back to the original position on Friday. Maybe that was a factor. They're tinkering with some things. And I get that when you send him down to AAA, it is easier to tinker down there than it is in the major leagues, especially when you're a winning ball club, especially when you're 34-19. You got the second best record in baseball. You can't afford to have starts this bad. You can afford to have some bad starts. And he's still been alternating, right? Like I mentioned those last five starts, the two in between against Tampa and Toronto against divisional opponents have been pretty good. But when they're bad, they can't be this bad. Can you deal with five innings, five runs a couple of times? Of course you can. Can you deal with three innings, nine runs? You really can't, especially when you're doing it multiple times in a playoff chase. So that's kind of where they sit with Grayson Rodriguez. I know it was a tough decision. I know they didn't just see the start and say he's going down. I know there was a lot of internal conversations there and a lot of factors playing in for the O's. But they made the move. And we do have to look at kind of what's next now. I mean, I think he's going to be back soon. It should be just a couple of AAA starts, maybe three of them. Hopefully he regains the confidence. He's got the stuff where he is still easily one of the five most talented starting pitching options that the Orioles have right now. There's no questioning that talent-wise. But I get why they did it. Don't agree with it, but I get it. And the next question is, what do they do? Well, the Orioles have already hinted at kind of Austin Voth returning to the rotation for now. That would be the easiest move. You know, he just pitched three and two-thirds on Friday night. So if he doesn't pitch again out of the bullpen, he'd be on regular rest to start 
on Wednesday. He was really good as a starter for the Orioles in 2022. I think it would be more of a modified bullpen game on Wednesday. They'd try to get three or four innings out of both and then go to the pen the rest of the way. They do have an off day on Thursday, so Grayson's next time that he would have been due to pitch is Wednesday. They have the off day Thursday, which gives you a lot better chance to do a bullpen day because if you use a lot of relievers, you can obviously rest them all the very next day. The only other option is really calling up Bruce Zimmerman. He's been much better lately for the Norfolk Tides, actually threw six scoreless innings with eight strikeouts on Friday night. So he'd be on regular rest to start. He is on the 40-man roster. We know it was not very good for Zimmerman uh, right before he got sent down last year, but he had his moments at the beginning of last season. He's basically ditched his fastball. He's only throwing changeups and breaking balls essentially right now. The other options, DL Hall is deloading, whatever that means. So I don't think they're going to call him up. Spencer Watkins was on the IL with a cut on his finger for a while. He hasn't built back up yet. Drew Rahm got rocked in his last start. And Cole Irvin is not eligible to come back to the team until June 5th because it hasn't been 15 days yet since he was sent back down after he pitched out of the bullpen a little bit last weekend. So Zimmerman will really be the only option, which tells me the O's are probably going to go both slash bullpen game. And then the next time Grayson's due up, they try to figure it out then. But it really stinks. Like, it's unfortunate. I, I hate that it happened. I hate that he's struggling this much. Hopefully, it only takes two or three starts. I have confidence they'll take two or three starts in Norfolk. He'll be back to having confidence in those off speeds, and he will be back soon. The Orioles are going to need Grayson Rodriguez if they want to get to the playoffs this year. I am certain of that. They are going to need Grayson Rodriguez back in the big leagues, and hopefully it will be soon. But hopefully the rest of the pod isn't as much doom and gloom. I know I just went long on Grayson Rodriguez, but that was clearly the biggest news of the weekend as the O's lose the series to Texas. But they didn't get swept, and that's important. They still haven't been swept this season as they were able to pull out a win in the final game of the series on Sunday. And coming up next, I'll recap that 3-2 win, get you the five things you need to know from the O's W over the Rangers in the final game of this series. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and the calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. It's built, and you gotta try it. If you're like me and you wanna make maybe some healthier snack choices, but you don't wanna compromise on taste, Built Bar is the thing for you because Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, this is finally, finally somebody did it. A protein bar that doesn't taste like gross and chalky and like styrofoam. This is a protein bar that literally does taste like a candy bar. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in amazing flavors like churro, my favorite peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, and many, many more. And there's still only 130 calories in each bar, still only 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now, even better, you can still order off of Built.com, but that's not the only way to get your Built Bars. They're now in Sam's Club. They're now in Walmart. So you can walk in and walk out with a box of Built Bars right in your hands. So head to Walmart. Head to Sam's Club or head to Built.com and get your hands on those delicious and nutritious Built Bars. So the Orioles, after dropping two out of three to the Texas Rangers this weekend and a rough start for Grayson Rodriguez on Friday night, did opt to send him down to AAA. Called Keegan Aiken up, who didn't pitch very well when he appeared in the game on Saturday. We'll see if Aiken remains kind of that extra bullpen arm until they make a decision on who takes Grayson's spot in the rotation for now. But as we turn to what happened the rest of the weekend, it was a 5-3 to three loss on Saturday. 
O's really couldn't get the bats going. I mean, they had the rally in the ninth where they scored two runs. They brought the tying run to the plate, but ultimately lost five to three. And, I mean, the bats really weren't going Friday night. They scored two runs, and they weren't really going Sunday. They scored three runs. The Orioles in total scored eight runs in three games against the best offense in baseball. That's why they lost this series. But three runs was enough on Sunday afternoon as the Orioles won it 3-2 to two for their only win of the weekend. Avoiding the sweep would have been the first time they've been swept this year. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles 3-2 to win over the Rangers on Sunday. And the first thing you need to know is that it was another good start for Kyle Bradish. That makes it three out of four, I'd say, really good starts for Bradish here lately in the month of May. Bradish in this one for the Orioles goes six and two-thirds innings, was very close to getting through seven, gave up a hit with two outs in the seventh and was pulled. But six and two-thirds, one run on four hits. He struck out four and walked one through 85 pitches and lowered his ERA to 3.89 on the season. Seven hard hit balls against him in six and two-thirds innings, although most of those came in the last two frames. He gave up an RBI double to Marcus Semien in the sixth that made it a two-to-one game. Then Corey Seager hit an absolute scorcher to Jorge Mateo. He caught it and doubled off Semien at second base to get Bradish out of the inning. Then Nathaniel Lowe led off the seventh with a drive down the left field line that went just foul. Would have been a game-tying homer. Bradish was certainly playing with fire in those sixth and seventh innings. So if you're wondering, oh, why did Hyde take him out at 85 pitches when he could have gotten through the seventh? Well, it was still a tough part of the order. And listen, it was uh, it was getting time. He was getting lucky. Hyde went to Yenya Cano, and the O's were able to at least end that seventh inning. But I liked what I saw once again from Bradish. Now, it was a really dominant start. Bradish started the game striking out, I mean, the top part of this vaunted Texas order. Semyon, Seager, and Lowe, he strikes all three of them out on breaking balls swinging. It was a very impressive first inning. Now, he only had one other strikeout the rest of the game, and it actually came in the second inning. He ended the second with a strikeout. So four of his first six outs were Ks. He went six and two-thirds and didn't get another strikeout, which was a little concerning. But on the flip side, he was getting a lot of outs early in the count on soft contact, which is not what you usually see from Kyle Bradish. But it was a nice change of pace for Bradish. Really helped him pitch into the seventh inning. He only had the eight whiffs on 44 swings, and most of them came in that first inning. But he mixed his pitches. He was heavy for, not heavy for Seamer, but it was his number one pitch 27 times. But he paired it with 24 curveballs and 21 sliders, which meant he was mixing in those really good breaking balls just enough to be successful. He threw them really well in the first inning. I'd like to see more of the first inning because he was really, really good. But I liked what I saw again from Kyle Bradish. He is continuing to be, at least at this point, a somewhat reliable starter for the Orioles. Second thing you need to know from this one is that I mentioned the offensive struggles. I mean, it was really only the top of the Orioles order that essentially had anything going for the O's in this one. You look at the top three in this lineup here with Cedric Mullins, Adley Rutschman, and Austin Hayes. Those three combined to go six for 11 in this game with five singles, a triple, a walk, and two RBIs. Mullins went one for three, ended up walking in the eighth, scoring the go-ahead run. Rutschman with a two for four, a couple of singles. And Austin Hayes had a huge day, three for four with a triple, two RBIs. We'll get to him in just a second. But after that, the O's did basically nothing. Four through nine in the order went one for 18 with six strikeouts. Their only hit was a Jorge Mateo single, who started to swing it a little bit better, at least this weekend. But that was, that was it. I mean, the order was basically held down all weekend long, and it continued Sunday. Luckily, they were able to just do enough. And 
One of those guys who was struggling in the order was Ramon Arias. And the third thing you need to know from Sunday and kind of from this weekend is that Ramon Arias is back for the Orioles. Had that left hamstring strain that kept him out for a couple of weeks, but he actually returned quicker than I thought. Came back on Friday. Unfortunately, it was Joey Ortiz who was optioned to AAA to make room for Arias on the roster. But when you look at how the roster's built, Taron Vavra is essentially an outfielder now. So at this point, Ortiz was really the only guy you could send down who had options. It was unfortunate, but it was kind of the roster move that had to be made. Ortiz will be back. But Arias came back this weekend. He didn't start Friday night. He came off the bench late in a blowout game as a pinch hitter. Uh, but he did start on Saturday and on Sunday. Ended up going one for eight with a double on the weekend. Had an RBI and two strikeouts. Uh, he did ground into kind of a big double play in the first inning that allowed the Orioles to to only get two runs off of Cody Bradford after it looked like they should have got a much bigger inning in the first on Sunday. Hopefully he'll settle back in as he is back healthy from that injury. Fourth thing you need to know from Sunday's 3-2 win is that Yenyek Cano has given up another run. Cano came into this game with a runner on first and two down and the Orioles leading 2-1 to one in the seventh. He relieved Kyle Bradish, he gave up a double, but then got a big strikeout to get out of the inning. But after that, he allowed a leadoff single, then a ground out, then a ground out. Runner got to third with two down, and he allowed an RBI double that was hit hard off the bat of Corey Seager to tie the game. Couldn't finish the eighth. Danny Coulomb came in and got a fly out to keep the game tied at two. But it was a blown save for Yenye Cano, and Cano has now allowed an earned run in three of his last five appearances after not allowing any runs before that. Now, to be fair... Cano's ERA is still at 0.98, so you're not going to fault him, but he did walk a batter his first of the season in his last outing in New York. Now he gives up another run here against the Rangers. He's still been great, but he's coming back down to earth a little bit. I think we're just kind of learning he is human. He's still good. He's just human, which you had to expect a little regression to come at some point. But speaking of the bullpen, the fifth and final thing you need to know from this one, Felix Bautista may have put together his best inning of the year. On Sunday, Bautista comes in after the O's get the run in the bottom of the eighth on the Austin Hayes RBI single to go back up three to two. Bautista comes out for the top of the ninth and was just unbelievable against Adolis Garcia, Josh Young, and Jonah Heim. A very, very good four, five, six in the Rangers order. Strikes them all out using just 15 pitches to do so. It was the best splitter I have seen all season from Bautista. It was by far the best command he's had all season. He got five whiffs on nine swings in this one and four foul balls. Of course, nothing was put in play with the three strikeouts. The fastball averaged 99.9, and he threw a pitch at 101.7. He was fired up. The splitter was falling off the table, and he was made quick work with just 15 pitches. Definitely his best outing of the year. He looked like prime 2022 Felix, and hopefully that continues for the Orioles as they're able to salvage the final game of this series and win it on Sunday. But as good as Felix was, the other big reason that the O's won on Sunday was Austin Hayes, who had the go-ahead game-winning hit in the eighth, had three more hits on Sunday, had a huge weekend, and just continues, continues to swing the bat well. So coming up next, we'll shout out Hayes' big weekend to finish off the pod. So the Orioles do drop two out of three to the Texas Rangers. They will now hope to get back into things as they host the Cleveland Guardians this week at Camden Yards. Kicking things right back off here a Monday 
Wednesday or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday series, starting with a day game here on Monday at Camden Yards for Memorial Day, a 105 start. It's Tyler Wells going for the Orioles, and it's Logan Allen. No, not the Logan Allen that the Orioles claimed off waivers from Cleveland last year. It's the actual good prospect lefty Logan Allen who will go for Cleveland, has a 3.31 ERA for the Guardians this season since he was called up back in April. Since then, he's made a handful of starts, and he's been pretty good, six starts uh, his stuff has looked solid from the left side. He's just 24 years old, but he's had a nice little start to his big league career. His last start against the White Sox, six innings, three runs, seven hits, four Ks, and a walk. He'll go up against Tyler Wells. And if you would like to listen to the hometown broadcast of the 1 o'clock start on Monday, you can catch every pitch of the O's hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app just search Orioles. So that's coming up today. Hopefully you're listening to this a uh, little bit of a, of a pregame pod in the morning before the 105 start. But before we do finish up here, just wanted to shout out Austin Hayes for the weekend he had against the Rangers. Yes, he wasn't able to will the Orioles to a series win, but he certainly helped them get the game on Sunday and avoid the sweep. Hayes over the weekend went 6 for 11, hit for the cycle, not in one game, but across the weekend. 6 for 11 with three singles, a double, a triple, and a home run. He had three RBIs, one walk, and one strikeout, and eight hard-hit balls on the weekend for Hayes. He put 10 balls in play, and eight of them were hard-hit. Very, very impressive weekend from Austin Hayes. He had a home run to open the scoring, a solo shot in the seventh inning on Saturday. At least it opened the scoring for the Orioles as they struggled on Friday, again, as I mentioned, you know, not much from the Orioles offensively in that 12-2 loss, but Hayes did have two hits, a single and a double. And then on Sunday, Hayes was really the hero. A three-hit game, had a triple in the third inning, and then his big hit was the knock that he got in the eighth inning. Comes up with an RBI single with runners on first and third, nobody out to put the Orioles up 3-2. to two. Also had an RBI single back in the first inning that put the Orioles up one nothing. He had four hard-hit balls on the day. Austin Hayes was just smoking the baseball all weekend. It was really, really impressive to watch. I mean, especially Sunday when he had the four hard-hit balls. Exit velocities of 102, 197, and 103 for the three hits. And that triple he hit in the third inning, that's a Camden Yards triple. That hit three-quarters of the way up Mount Baltimore in left field. And according to StatCast and according to everyone's eyes, that was a home run in every other ballpark in Major League Baseball besides Camden Yards. But a big weekend for Austin Hayes. And it just continues what's been a great season for him. He's now hitting 322 on the year. It's been a really, really quiet 322, but he is leading the Orioles with a 322 batting average and an 887 OPS on the year. Both of those statistics lead the O's right now. Their next best batting average at the moment is Taron Vavra at 279, but he's not an everyday player. Next best everyday guy is Adley Rutschman at 273. It's been great from Austin Hayes. Now, can he keep it up? We still got to wait, right? Because Austin Hayes was an all-star level player for the first three months last year, and then he was basically unplayable after the all-star break. It was a tale of two seasons, as we talked about in 2022 for Hayes. Now, there's been some changes in the things he's done, and in a future episode, we're really going to break down Austin Hayes if he continues to hit like this, but he's not chasing nearly as much. He's in the 42nd percentile in chase rate. The higher you are, the better right there. So he's about league average in terms of chasing pitches out of the zone. Last year, he was in the 11th percentile, which means he was swinging at almost everything out of the zone last year. This year, he's about middle of the pack, which isn't anything elite, 
but it means you're swinging at better pitches and you're getting better contact. And that's exactly what's happening for Austin Hayes. He's swinging at more strikes, less balls, better pitches to hit, and now he's in the 83rd percentile in barrel rate, whereas he was just in the 26th percentile last year because he was rolling over stuff and popping things up that he was swinging at out of the zone. And even though his strikeout rate has actually gone up, it was 20% last year, it's 24% so far this year, because he's swinging at better pitches overall, he's making more quality contact, and that's why he's been so good this season. Now the big question is, can he sustain it? And we will see, he certainly didn't sustain it last year, but if he can, he becomes a huge part of this Orioles order. Because he hit third this weekend. He was in the three-hole on Saturday. Santander was out, just had a little bit of soreness. But even when Santander returned to the order on Sunday, they went Mullins one, Rutschman two, Hayes hit third, Santander fourth, and Mountcastle was down to fifth. And that was even against a lefty, where generally Mountcastle has hit third against the lefties this year. So we'll see if they do it against a righty, because it was back-to-back lefties Saturday and Sunday where Hayes hit third. I'd like to see him just hit third for good now. Hit Santander fourth and Mountcastle fifth because he still has the power, but he's not going to get on base as much and he has his issues with K-rate. I would really hit right now Mullins one, Rutschman two, Hayes three, Santander four, Mountcastle five, and then I'd probably hit Frazier six at this moment. Maybe Arias seven, Henderson eight, potentially, if you're able to swing the lineup like that. And then whomever you're throwing in, whether it be Mateo or O'Hearn or Vavra can kind of mix around James McCann, Ryan McKenna can mix around near the bottom of the order. But I really like Hayes in the three hole and he's certainly showing why he deserves to stay there because he is hitting the ball hard and being rewarded for the Orioles. And without Hayes, I mean, nobody else in the offense really did much. So they probably get swept this weekend. Big for him as the O's get the win on Sunday. But that'll do it for today's pod. I'll be back tomorrow. Got a day game today. 105 O's and Guardians. I'll be back tomorrow to recap game one between those two sides on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.